Hi, I'm Morgan. I'm Robin. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to Bougie Behavior. Class is in session. <laughs> What's up? It's time. Time for what? What do we hear about today? how tomorrow it's supposed to be 60 degrees in New York? I'm just hoping that... Is I feel it going like to break through? I feel so like, like, be like it okay, is. Okay, it's time. Spring is here. Spring has sprung. I don't know. I'm just ready for this seasonal depression to just, like, lift. I think everyone's ready for it to end. And summers in New York are always amazing. So I'm excited yeah. to see what's going to happen this yeah. year. I but think that we deserve a good summer. It feels like we've had 10 months of trash weather. It hasn't been that long. I but know. I'm it just feels saying. like it. It feels like it's been a year. It feels like it. I'm over it. Please, someone help us. Okay, so before you even jump into our bougie bombshell, I would like to preface with her Vanity Fair cover. Yes! And feature OMG. She's doing big things in the year of 2018. So, so I saw somebody say, like, oh my god, Lena Wave, no makeup. No, like, all this stuff on the cover. I was like, she she definitely has makeup on. Sis is not out here taking pictures for nationally syndicated Like, go on her Instagram, she be getting her face beat. To be out here with no makeup. She got on makeup. (laughs) I think I saw that tweet. It probably got a lot of retweets. I think Lena herself retweeted it. I think she had makeup on, though. She definitely had makeup <laughs> Like, her face looked beat on cover. I, I feel like it's just because it's a natural look. They're not used to seeing that on that cover yeah. Vanity Fair. I think that might be that what it was. Yeah, I think that's what it was. Because usually for Vanity Fair, people are, like, really did up. They have gowns and stuff on. But Sis was out here being her regular, regular, regular self. Mm-hmm. I'm here for it. Yeah, me too. I think that she literally embodied what she was comfortable with embodying and her personality. So, I mean, I think that it's important for us to see her as herself and not have them make her feel like she had to change what she looked like and, like, what she was comfortable wearing. Because, I mm-hmm. mean, at the end of the day, the work is still there. Like, yeah. she's been putting in the work. So, I mean... So, what are you going to teach us about Miss Wave today? Oh, my gosh, guys. If you really know me as much as you think you know me, you would understand (laughs) that I actually interviewed Lena while I was a student at FAMU. Yes, for you. Um, She was on my radar um, after she was the producer of the Dear White People film that Mm -hmm. came out while we were in school. And that was a film that her and Justin Seaman did as a joint project that was on Kickstarter and they raised enough money to actually make the film. It was in Sundance. It got pretty good reviews at Sundance, but the general consensus amongst, like, black folk, people weren't really feeling it that much. I I like the TV show way better than the movie. Yeah, I'll I say agree. that. I like it. But this, I just wanted to start it off by saying that because I know, like, for some people who want to, like, HBCUs and PWIs, that was when they first kind of knew who Lena was. Mm-hmm. But she has done, like, so much more. And so I'm just going to, like, talk about her background she was born on May 17, 1984, on the south side of Chicago. Um, from a young age, she loved TV. 
Um, in numerous interviews, she's talked about watching shows like A Different World, The Cosby Show, mm -hmm. Saved by the Bell, and Fresh Prince as her first glimpse of what black television was. And she even has shared her love for A Different World by her old Twitter name before she changed it to Lena Waithe was Hillman Grad. Oh, that's cute. And that was her Twitter name for the longest, and then she switched over to Lena Waithe. Um, and then also... I didn't realize that she grew up in a household full of women, so that's something that is pretty distinct in terms of just, like, I guess loving yourself and just, like, really growing into your black femininity and black womanhood. And so she grew up with her mother, her grandmother, and her sister. OMG, just like me. Aw. I grew up with my good. mom and my granny and Aww. my little sister. So then you can definitely relate to that mm -hmm. feeling. And so... After high school, she studied at Columbia College of Chicago, and I believe she studied film. And after, she began taking different writing programs, and one of her first jobs, after completing and graduating from her writing program class, she began working with Mara Brocker-Heel, Gina Prince-Brightwood, and Ava DuVernay. And I think that that part of her journey probably was very significant because she has said that she felt like Working with them, literally, this is what she said, the chance to work with all these talented black women who were just sort of playing hacky sack with me for a couple of years, I definitely think this was a divine order. And between the years of 2007 and 2008, Girlfriends were still on, and she mm -hmm. actually was Mara Barker-Keel's assistant. I believe she wrote an episode during her time period there. She was everybody's um, assistant because she was Gina. Yeah, Gina mm -hmm. Prince Bywood's assistant too. I didn't even too. know she was Ava's assistant at one point. She was point. Ava's she assistant too. She worked for Ava at one point. Dang. And so, along her journey, she also, um, what's next? Oh, this is when I started realizing that she actually was really talented. She had a a scripted series on YouTube. This was while we were still in college. This was mm -hmm. like 2014, 2015. It was called Twenties. And then she had two Cupid, Hello Cupid, also on YouTube, and I used to watch that, and it was really good. Ashley Blaine was one of the characters on Hello Cupid. 20s. It's funny, because I think she's trying to bring that to, like, TV, she the show is. 20s. Because she she's been tweeting about that. She should, because it, I used to watch it, and I, used to, I was obsessed with Hello Cupid. That was really good. Um, so... That was also kind of the time period, I want to say, when Issa was also experimenting with different, like, yeah. things. Black and Sexy TV was really popping on YouTube. So, there, it was, like, it was like kind of a resurgence of just, like, black media, like, on YouTube as a platform. That's so true. Did so you watch was, um, Rumi Lover Friend? I watched it for a little oh, bit. Like, it just ended up funny. turning into so much. I was it, was, like, it turned into something totally different yeah. than what... I stopped watching. I thought it. originally it was gonna be, but it used to be. They good. did like crossover episodes and stuff. It was yeah. just like too Not much. Crossover. <laughs> they were no seriously, like they were. Like there was another show I used to watch and they like crossed over it was like Rumi Lover Friends and another show that Black and Sexy T V was doing at the time. Mm -hmm. So all the characters met and I was like, This is a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it was too much for me. And so now we're at the point in Lena's journey where this is when white people started caring about what she had going on. Because literally, I promise, nobody was paying any mind to her for real. Like, different publications had her, like, kind of on their radar because I feel yeah. like Variety, he definitely had her on her on their radar if she's on the cover today. So, it was a bunch of different publications were, like, writing, like, little pieces here and there on her. 
And I remember seeing some of those and that's that was why I kind of wanted to feature her like while we were in school because I was just like she's definitely gonna pop off at some point. Yeah. Um and so Master of None is when people became aware of who she was because she was in front of the camera besides yeah, that was behind the, first the camera. Time I saw her. And literally I thought that that was such a great move for her because she, I feel like she probably was comfortable at that point behind the camera, but mm-hmm. she was approached to like be an actor on the show, and so I think that that was a great business move for her. Moving forward, 2015 was also when The Shy was greenlit, mm. and so her and Common, that was a project that they would be working on together, and so Master of None was going on, and the Thanksgiving episode was kind of when more people were just like, oh wow, like this episode is dope. Like, I remember people talking about it when I was at work or interning or whatever. And that's how a lot of people ended up knowing who she is because she ended up becoming the first black woman to win an Emmy Award for an Outstanding Writer for a Comedy Series along with Aziz Ansari. Um, 2017 was the year that she became Out Magazine's Artist of the Year for their roundup that they do every year, Out 100. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also just... Doing my research, I saw that Melina Matsukis directed the Thanksgiving episode where she came out to her mom, played by Angela Bassett. And <clears throat> I think that I actually, I haven't watched the episode, but I also feel as though just Melina and her queerness and her black femininity, I feel like for me, I wasn't aware of any of those things until I, like, kind of really started paying more attention. Mm-hmm. And then, like, even in her interviews, like, later on, I feel like she did start alluding to being a black queer woman and being a lesbian. In the beginning, I don't really feel like she completely disclosed some of those things. Yeah. Like, in the very beginning. And I can totally understand why she probably did that. I just know that now I feel like she's completely transparent and she is out there, and I think the Thanksgiving episode was a great way for her to just kind of walk in her truth. And um, Aziz and one of the, I believe one of the producers approached her about doing that episode, um, and she ended up making it happen. And I just I've seen clips of it, and it looked like it was like a really good episode. Oh, you haven't seen it? No, I've I seen I it. I didn't watch the show. So, I started watching season one of Master of None. That's when I first, like, was like, who's this girl, <laughs> Lena, on this show? Um, and then the second season came out. And I watched some of the second season, but I definitely remember watching the Thanksgiving episode mm-hmm. before all the Emmy hype. And I was like, oh, this is cute, because Angela Bassett was in it. Mm-hmm. And I was reading this article about her, like, a while back. It was sometime last year. It was talking about her inspiration for the show. I mean, for the episode. And she was talking about how um, every, like, I forget. I think there were clips from Jackson 5, The American Dream in the episode. And she was talking about every black person watches Jackson 5, American Dream. And I was like, that is so, well, I will say that is so true. But that resonates with me because that's one of my favorite movies. And she was talking about, because that movie is hella long. Have you seen it? Robin. <laughs> oh my God. We have to watch I'm it. Sure that 
numerous members of my family have seen it. Oh my god, I grew up on that movie. It's hella long too. So they were showing that in the Thanksgiving episode? Yeah, some parts of it, but she was basically saying like it's part of the black experience to like watch that movie and she was saying how no matter when it because like I said it's long as hell no matter what part it's on you have to sit and watch the rest of the movie mm-hmm. like I love that movie and it starts like from Joe and Catherine when they first meet mm-hmm. all the way to Michael Jackson being like a solo artist? being a solo artist that sounds like so it spans like his years of his life no it's a long time mm-hmm. and like it's a really good movie I'd watch it and um who's in it what's his name um oh my god i can't remember i can't believe i forgot his name but anyway he's the guy from he's the older brother on smart guy oh i kind of know who you're talking about because i jason weaver okay yeah the, jason weaver. the dark scene guy i think i know he played michael jackson he was really good as michael jackson Oh, wow. It was funny because they had like all these different light skinned dark skinned people playing Michael Jackson. <laughs> in the movie? In the movie. So he's a split skin tone <laughs> throughout his life. So he was real light Every skin. Every 10 years. Every 10 years. He was real light skinned in the beginning. <laughs> and then he t- became Jason Weaver. And then he became like a medium brown person <laughs> yes it was good though like i really love that I movie like but they it. was talking about that and aziz apparently really watched that movie too and that's like how they started like talking okay. about the show mm-hmm. and then they were like well oh no they said they didn't want to play clips of the sh- of the movie in the episode because angela bassett was the mom and they were like it would be weird if we had her like on the tv and being my oh, mom she's in the movie too yeah, she's yes. I cannot. She's Michael. She's Catherine Jackson. She plays um, Michael Jackson's mom. Oh my god. <laughs> yes. So did they not play clips? They don't play clips. I but just remembered that. Did they talk about it? I forget how. That's hilarious. I don't like, even know. Angela was literally in that. She was. She was the mom. Wow. And she's the mom in um yeah. <laughs> in the episode. But it's a good episode. I actually watched it for Thanksgiving this year too. Because I spent Thanksgiving here and I cooked like all my whole Thanksgiving meal. Oh, nice. And then I sat and watched Thanksgiving. That's beautiful. <laughs> no, that's so nice. Every black family does something different for Thanksgiving and Christmas holidays. Um, okay, so yeah, the episode was based on her coming out story. And mm-hmm. I think that just like as a black woman and just like knowing different queer women like in my life, I think that that's just a significant episode not just for lena telling her story but also to help other people be comfortable with who they are and to be able to have those types of conversations with their families if they haven't or if they have had those conversations they can sit and watch those episodes that episode with their family Mm -hmm. and that's one thing that i feel like is significant with her work everything that i've watched since i was in college i feel like her work is very relatable and you can tell that she's written things mm-hmm. because it's going to be the black experience and it's going to be from a perspective of someone that you feel like wow like these are situations that I've had like as a young person or as like someone that's like in their 20s like 20s was about people in their 20s um I'm gonna get on this shine a little bit but she just she knows how to like take her perspective and then kind of like put it in different characters bodies if that makes sense and I like the way that blackness 
is kind of just highlighted through her work. Um, and so her Emmy speech was something that, of course, all the press was like, wow, like, she's so eloquent. Like, she's speaking up for the LBGTQ community. And I was just like, I mean, just, yeah, she is. But also she's more than just being limited to a speech because I feel like everyone yeah. was just, like, kind of pigeonholing her into, like, being this person that just came out of nowhere and it's just like no like she's been doing stuff for a minute you guys just are having to catch up and you're like heralding her as this person that's just like oh yeah like she's representing the lgbtq community and i was just like i wasn't shocked by press doing that because the speech was really good but i was just like okay guys catch up <laughs> she's not just falling out of the sky I don't know. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people think that people fall out of the sky or like, but that's literally how the industry works. Like, yeah. people just be working their ass off for years and years and years. And, and it's not until they they're super hot and people are like, oh, you know, let's mm -hmm. gravitate towards her. So, that's just honestly like. I was just dead at when all of these publications were posting her like full transcripts. So I was just like, y'all were not paying her no money. You know Most that? people don't. It's okay because I'm loving that she's getting this shine now. Yeah, no, um, it's great to see. I grabbed this quote from her speech that I thought was really good. Um, she, at the end of her speech, she said, "I love you all, and last but certainly not least, my LGBTQIA family. I see each and every one of you. The things that make us different; those are our superpowers." And I thought that that was great because I think that sometimes people feel like being different is not okay and I think that being different is definitely something that I felt kind of ashamed of at some points in my life but I feel like just hearing her and just knowing that she's had to battle with that in her life I think that that's an important moment just not for black queer women but just for black women and just like other people that are marginalized here in America did you have anything you wanted to add I just have one more quote from um. her I if did. You wanted to add anything? Let's talk about it. No, she's really great. Like I, her journey is really inspiring. No, it is. I feel like her and Isa are like really killing the game right now with their journeys. Yes. But I also, I just wanted to point out. Um, first of all, this is one thing that I feel like a lot of people, and I just found out too, who her girlfriend was. Oh, but man. Elena Mayo is a super powerhouse too. She's actually the. Um, president of development at Michael B. Jordan's yeah, I saw that um, company, Outliers, mm -hmm. and I thought that was cool. But she used to work at Paramount. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, and she was like, um, the first time I heard of her, I was doing research at work, and it was like, kind of like Hollywood's 30 under 30 on Hollywood Reporter, and Elena Mayo was on there. Oh, wow. Um, cool. And at the time, she was at Paramount. She wasn't at Outliers yet. Okay. But they were like, it was just like this random, uh, Lena wasn't who, Lena wasn't Lena yet. Mm -hmm. She was like still up and coming. So they just wrote like interesting facts about each of the people. And it was like, Elena Mayo with um, something, something with her girlfriend, actress and writer, Lena Waithe. <laughs> and I was like, oh wow, that's so cool. But I read it like after the fact, after they wrote it. Yeah. But they're like a super powerhouse. I feel like people like be super sleep on them, but they're really cute. And I saw a video, I think it was on R29 Unbothered, or no, X on Nicole. And it was just 
a bunch of clips of Lena talking about Elena and how like she's such an inspiration to her and like yeah. you know she makes me believe in me That's really nice. and she talked about their proposal well <laughs> Lena's proposal they were in like Japan she was like basically telling Elena like you're the only person that I want to live this life with and she was like she really didn't have an option cause like I have a ring and we're in Tokyo and we're <laughs> basically spending the rest of our life together so Aww. you have to say yes it was really cute yeah. But they're, like, really They seem cute. really happy. Yeah, so, like, both her and Elena, like, are super dope. Killing it in the industry. Mm -hmm. Like, it's amazing. So I'm just going to finish up with one last quote um, that I pulled that I thought was great. Um, she shared, I think there's a lot of storytellers who don't look like the storytellers of yesteryear. A lot of young, black, queer, different people that have never been a part of the culture in a mainstream way. That's the way I want to change the business, by helping to usher in new voices until everyone's in the room. We still have a lot of work to do. Just even like me, I was inspired from the beginning of her journey when I found her because I was just like, she's willing to sit here and get people's coffee and be an assistant and like make phone calls. She may not even be feeling like doing those things. Like she talks about that. But I feel like that's what makes them different is like people are just being more transparent about like what it takes to actually make it instead of like I don't think it's and Will Smith said something like this too his, his Instagram yes I love his Instagram <laughs> okay he has like the best videos I follow but he be saying some of the realest stuff on there is and he, he better than Diddy because people have been showing out I like Diddy too <laughs> I like both of them like they both have really good advice inspiring inspiring advice if, the, if what you're trying to do is follow in the footsteps of not exactly being Diddy or exactly being Will Smith, but making it in an industry where, you know, like, nobody's giving you handouts. Like, you kind of have to make your own path. And, you know, it's not a normal climb the corporate ladder path. It's kind of, like, scrappy and creating your own way. But it's just, like... I just retweeted a video that Diddy did set, you know, released today. Um, it was a snippet from his old speech, but he was just like, there are no handouts. Like, nobody's going to give, like, you have to believe in the power of yourself. And, like, people like Lena and people like Issa, like, they are the testament to that. And Issa always, well, she tweeted once, and this is on our Instagram page, too, but she was like, you know, that whole quote of good things come to those who wait is one of the most incomplete inconsistent inco yeah like it's just not real like you can't sit and wait for things to happen to you you have to make things happen yeah. and will smith said something too he was just like you know people come up to him all the time and they're like oh i want to be an actor like you and he's just <laughs> saying you know most of the time half those well like 90% of those people aren't going to do what it takes to make it to the level that he's at and mm -hmm. he's just like it takes a level of sacrifice and determination and consistency and dedication to get to where he is and he was like you know I think so he said some people in the army or whatever say like everybody wants to go to heaven but nobody wants to die and it's just like there are certain that's, that's an extreme actually but, but it's real that sounds very true because it's real like that, you have gonna to talk about that too in the next segment though yeah like you have really to true. do like some people see the glitz and glam of different industries that they want to reach the pinnacle of and it's just like but do you know the amount of work the years of front work that you're gonna yeah have to that's basically in. what he was saying he was just saying like you know 
the work and someone just tweeted that today like put that on instagram today and you know you can't always be listening to people on instagram and twitter but sometimes <laughs> you'll come across some gems and it's just like you know everyone romanticizes where they want to end up but it's just like the work that you're putting off that's where the magic happens and it's just like you have to fall in love with the process and um i just was telling you earlier i met with tv um one of the tv writers grace edwards and she was saying you know it's about endurance and you constantly have to check in with yourself and be like, do I have the endurance to keep going? Because you can, you know, be in a writer's room or you can make it or you can, you know, have your album out or whatever in a year or it could take five years or it could take 10 years, you know, like, do you have that endurance to just kind of keep doing the work? And if you really love what you do and it's not always going to be fun, like I'm a writer, writing is not always fun. Like, it's the most tedious and torturous and laborious things that I ever do. And sometimes I put it down and I'll quit. But over the years, I've always found that I always come back to it. And no matter what it is, like, it could be a day, it could be a week, it might be three months. But it's just like, I'm always coming back. So I know that this is something that I want to do and I always have, like, this inclination to write. And so I know that that's something that will always be a part of my life, regardless of what happens with it or not. Mm -hmm. So you just have to kind of weigh those those options and you kind of have to check in with yourself, check in with your endurance um, mm -hmm. and just really ask yourself, do I want to put in the work <laughs> to get to where I want to be? That's valid. It's very valid. Like, you know, it's true. Like you can't. I don't know. But, yeah, like, a lot of people say that. When we were talking about Sterling K. Brown a while ago, and one of his quotes, he says, you know, you have to do it for the love because the money, the fame, the success, go it may that. come and go, yeah. but if you want to continue to do this, it you have to do it for the love mm -hmm. of, of the craft because all that other stuff doesn't matter. So... Mm -hmm. I think it's good that she, like, talks about that stuff. I think and it's transparent about it. Yeah, I like the transparency aspect. Because I think sometimes people are not as transparent. And they just... I think a lot of people are guarded sometimes. And I understand why the guardedness is there sometimes. But I think it would help millennials and those underneath us a lot more. And it will make things more realistic if they speak about their past and, like, what they've done like yeah, their background that's true i guess this is a great segue into mm -hmm. like our work ponies versus well work horses, horses versus, versus show ponies <laughs> segment where we talk yes. about what it takes to actually make it when you have a when you're going after a creative career yeah. path versus a normal straight and narrow career yeah. path and i know this is something you wanted to talk about so mm -hmm. you can start off yeah um i mean this is something that I kind of, it's okay, <laughs> I became aware of this, like, while I was a student at FAMU, and even, like, growing up, I kind of didn't really understand, like, what that difference was, but once you kind of see people, like, running their own businesses and just, like, being out and about, like, Every day, like, I watched my dad um, have his own business um, for years. And then my mom also, she had her own nonprofit, and she used to write grants for her nonprofit. So I, me and my sister would, like, 
see my dad running his security business and then also see my mom like have her corporate job and then also have her grants that she would do on the side and so my mom would go in different underprivileged communities and offer services whether they be counseling services because she has her master's in social work or she would run after school programs at different community centers and so just kind of seeing both of my parents do the grant work I was just like okay like my parents are not people that are just like sitting at a desk all day even though my mom did have her corporate job like during the day like she still felt fulfilled doing stuff outside of the office and so that mentality kind of carried over to me and my sister and when I went to FAMU I was just like okay I see these two perspectives that my parents had what am I going to do like what makes me happy what makes me tick and I don't really want to be that person that's just in it for like how, how I was saying earlier that's just in it for the glitz and the glam like yeah it's great to have cool clothes and like have a fly hairstyle and have all these nice things but it's also just like am I happy in that space like are do clothes make me happy like what else is going to be there that's going to drive me to feel like I want to do this for the rest of my life and I had to learn that clothes wasn't just the only thing that made me happy like I also like to write about culture and music entertainment mm -hmm. and other things outside of just oh like this looks nice you should buy it because I think some people really get caught up in some industries that are creative because they feel like it's going to make them a lot of money because everyone's doing the same thing everyone's a stylist everyone's doing putting clothes on celebrities but it's just like they even get burnt out so it's just like social media has people feeling like they don't have to really do the work. They can just wake up and have a glamorous life, but it's just like that's not a realistic perspective of any industry because even the CEOs had to put in the grunt work of these Fortune 500 companies. Like everyone has to like really understand that. And so just being aware of having to put in the work and weighing those pros and cons is something that I've like battled with, I would say, even from... When I moved here, like, I was just like, okay, did I realize it was going to be this hard to kind of move up? I didn't think it was going to be this hard, but, I mean, I do appreciate the journey and doing everything that I've done, whether it be internships, freelance jobs, um, but I just had, like, different significant moments, like, while I was in school where I was just, like, like, me and Ian would, like, make jokes, He because he's, I promise he says this to me, like, you have your workhorses and your show ponies. I probably was the first person. <laughs> was he the first person that, that ever said, said that, that to you? Me. He was. I promise. That's funny. That sounds like something he was. And saying. so <laughs> I literally used to think about that sometimes. And so I took that upon myself to be like, I need to figure out what makes me happy, and not just be out here saying I want to be a stylist, I want to be an editor, I want to be this, I want to be that. Like, why do you want to do those things? And that also just comes from my background, like with my parents. Growing up, I wanted to be so many things. So, FAMU really showed me what I was good at and what was going to be worthwhile. And moving here to New York, I feel like how we used to say, if you can make it in New York, you can make it anywhere. I really think that that's true because New York throws so many things your way. And it kind of is a part of my journey to kind of figure out why I'm here and what makes me happy. And um, there's definitely pros and cons of having a creative job. Um, but 
I've had to realize one of the cons is I feel like I have to admit that I've been extremely privileged to be able to just kind of play around with my life and not really have to like be like, oh girl, you got these bills to pay. I don't think and it's fair to say you've been playing. I'm not saying playing. I'm just saying, I'm for lack of better words, I'm just saying how some people think that people are taking gap years in their life when yeah. they're just like exploring and just like really figuring out what they want to do and like moving up in their career path. So I'm just saying that from a perspective of like having friends that like didn't have the luxury to just be able to move to New York City and just yeah, kind of that's true. move in with family and just like make shit happen because they had bills or because they didn't think that they would make it up here. Yeah. Because I know people, I meet people all the time, like when I go home, they be like, I can't believe you're in New York doing everything that you're doing. And I'm just like, I mean, I'm the kind of person where if I say I'm going to do something, I I'm going to get up yeah. and I'm going to get up off my ass and I'm going to do it because what's holding me back? And I've had to realize that that's a privilege because some people, like my mom and Renee, it was just one of the times I was home, <clears throat> they were like, not everybody can just pick up and like pack all their life in a suitcase and just move to New York. And I mean, some people do do that. I'm yeah. not saying that it's not a privilege to be able to do that mm-hmm. because it is true that like, most people up here, when we move, like, they had some type of help. Or most people that do move up here have some type of help. Like, they either have their parents paying, like, their rent, mm-hmm. which was, like, my case. Or <laughs> they had someone they could live with, like, a family member, which was your case. Or they'll have a friend up here who lets them couch surf, which I know a lot of people couch surfed for months, sometimes years. years yeah. Before they could even get an apartment by themselves. So it's like you do kind of have to have, you know, some type of help. A foundation. Because it's hard to live out here. Yeah. Well, up here in this city because it's so expensive. Mm-hmm. And they're not paying you anything. I remember yeah. I told my mom I made 800 not 800 I made $8.25 an hour so when I first mean. moved up here. I she was like, what? So I was like, yes, but that's no, how that's much I was getting us. paid. That's what they do us out here. Like, it's wild. And so that's just something that I would say. To me, I feel like money is definitely a con. If you want to weigh the pros and cons of kind of sometimes choosing a creative career path. Because oh, yeah. I think sometimes people don't realize a lot of these freelance writers out here some of them come from money or some of them have a husband that's making all of the coins so they can just be at home they may or may not have kids so they can sit and be out here pitching editors every day yeah so some people are not really that transparent when it comes to freelance journalists lifestyles that some of these people are living but I know that some of these people just have money, so they don't have to be out here, like, emailing people asking for these checks. Right. Because they have something to fall back on. Or they don't need the checks. No. Like, they can afford to work for free. Mm -hmm. Like, actually, I feel like having the right companies on your resume and, like, landing in the direct inbox that you need to land in, that's going to help you. And I didn't really learn that until I like started like emailing people for real and not just like applying for stuff online and like reaching out to people yeah um but um another pro I would say is 
not feeling like your work is done in vain because I mean like when I first moved here I was just like yikes what am I doing I feel like I'm just hitting a dead horse like I'm just not doing anything like what am I doing wrong like I literally was so confused I feel still I still feel like that to this day I ask myself that question every day (laughs) well what are you doing (laughs) you have a job I do have a job. I'm in a very great place. Yes. But I still be asking myself that question. I know, I know. But that's just a part of the creative journey. Yeah. Like, we have to start somewhere. We have to build a foundation. And I hate to say that we shouldn't go to networking events. I've been going to so many networking events recently. I'm so proud of myself. I need to go. But it's too cold right now. I'm just so proud of myself. That's good, because... I haven't really been going to anything. I've been going, getting these drinks and these finger foods for dinner. (laughs) (laughs) Not Meeting these people. These networking events are annoying, but they're helpful. And you know what's crazy? I just went to one last week, Mm -hmm. and um, I met these two young girls who just graduated, and they, like, do media. And um, uh, because of where I work... Uh, the organizer of the event was like sending people to talk to me mm-hmm. and they were like we've been waiting to talk to you it was like two young black girls and they was like we've been waiting to talk to you for like two hours and oh cause like gosh. I was just moving around and I was like oh my god yeah let's talk so they really wanted to like get to know you know what it takes cause they're in journalism and media even though I'm not in journalism anymore um, but I was just like and I always tell people about you, Rob, because I was like, when Robin first moved here, she was working at Ann Taylor, and she had her internship, so that, <laughs> working seven days a week. It was the pit. Literally working I seven days a week. I was going to shoot myself. <laughs> Why was I doing that to myself? But now know. you're here. Yeah, now no, you're yeah. where you are. And it yeah. took you doing all of that. <laughs> Honestly, I was going to give up. I was about to leave. But um, I was telling them, I was like, I'm just going to be honest with you. It's not easy. And I was just like, it's going to be hard. And they even understand. They were like, you know, just like being black girls and just coming up here, like, you know. It's going to be ten times It's going to be harder, much harder. And I was like, now that you know me, like, I'll be able to, like, look out for you. And I was just like, keep doing this. Like, keep going to networking events. Keep mm-hmm. meeting people. Keep letting, pe- you know, them know. And somebody may not have a job for you right then and but there. But still keep in touch with them. But keep in touch with them. And so it was a really good, and I was so glad that I was able to meet with them. That's nice. Um, and, you know, we exchanged information, but I'm just, I was like, I'm just going to let you know you have to be, like, really... Like, this has to be really what you want. No, yeah. And they both, they were like, I can't believe, because they were like 22. And they were like, I can't believe that, you know, I graduated and I'm still staying at home. I was like, girl, I have friends who still live with their mamas. And got salaries. And got salaries. Like, salaried. What's the point of leaving? Right. Like, they have whole salaries and still live. There's no point of leaving. At home. I mean, I'm sorry I'm saying that, but... No, it's true. It's just like, if you got a good thing going, don't leave. (laughs) Yeah. Don't. Because you'll be real. The bills start adding up. (laughs) But no, that's true. You're going to have to put on a lot of hats on this creative career journey. Mm -hmm. You're going to have to humble yourself. A lot. And not to say that 
that's a problem because I literally was just like getting people's tea and getting people's coffee and stuff. And I was just like, what am I doing? But then when you have those conversations with those people you're interning for, that they're giving you advice that's just normal conversation for them. Like, oh, like this is this is what I had to do to get here. Yeah. Or just sitting and having time with some of those people, that really extended me wanting to stay in the industry because without some of those conversations, I probably would have just been like, I'm done. Yeah. Like, literally, I'm just out. Sometimes, I be thinking every day when I be walking to work, I'm just like, I could just go home, (laughs) find me a man, (laughs) get laid up, (laughs) pop out some babies. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to lie. I was thinking that the other day. Like, why don't I just marry wealthy and just give it up? Seriously. And hang it up. Hang up the towel for the rest of your life. Literally. I hated myself for even having those thoughts. I don't hate myself because I know it's just part part of it. Um, but I do, like, get annoyed sometimes because I think about it way more frequently than I should. <laughs> but I was literally, literally, I was, okay, so when I was working on the film out in Sacramento, yeah. I, it was late, we were doing night shoots, and night shoots are the absolute worst. I hate Sounds them. Sounds tragic. Like, you call time, 7 p.m., and you'd be working all night, 14 hours, watch the sunrise. <laughs> and you're still out there working. And you're still out there working. But I was driving <clears throat> from set back to the production office, yeah. taking like one of the production coordinator back. And I was like, girl, this shit for the birds. <laughs> and I was just like I thought like that so many times. I was just like, honestly, I'm just gonna get married and open a little, you know, get marry somebody rich, pop out some babies, open a little online juice company stop it give me a little boutique <laughs> somewhere you want to be a real housewife of new york yes ma'am okay girl i will funny thing i saw a real housewife of new york last night i went to ucb this ucb show with z-way um a writer on uh tonight with robin Thede. Mm-hmm. and that shit was funny because she was on there she was i don't even was luann Countess Luann, that was her name. <laughs> she's very hilarious, and the fact that she is the Countess is even more funny because her qualities are not royal she, at all. First of all, she had on this huge rock, this huge ring. Then she had. Yeah, I on, think she's engaged. No, she's not. Well, maybe she is, but it was from her ex-husband, and she the was man the Count. I, I don't know. I think he's. I don't. I, I used to watch her house in New York. Go ahead. I, I but no, she was Why like... she had that ring on, though? She was like, it was actually made by the same jewelers who do the Queen of England's was <laughs> jewelry. Was she saying these things? Yes! It was the funniest thing. She's annoying. <laughs> I cannot. Not Luann, the Countess. She just came from Kinky Boots, and she was like, Wayne Brady is amazing. He's still on there? Yeah. I didn't know he was still doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it was hilarious. I cannot. Not Luann. But stick with it, peeps. Yeah, don't, Moral of don't the give story. up. Don't give up. Yeah, that was a great Teams. conversation. I hope that you guys send us some little tweets or, like, messages about how you feel about the creative career paths that you guys are doing. Or, if you're choosing to have a more linear path, tell us about that. Send us an email. I'd love to read what about you guys have going on. Yeah. Let's see That'd be fun. how many creatives we have out there. Yeah. 
how many bougie creatives we have out there living this life. Are you struggling as well? Because I need, <laughs> I need more of those stories. Because I feel like I'm the only one out here struggling. No, girl. You know and that's I'm not, not true. <laughs> I just need people to talk about it more. That's just basically what I'm saying. So we can all be miserable together? I'm just lying. I'm really not <laughs> miserable, honestly. I'm very... Only when it's like this outside. Yeah, I'm just ready for summer. Same. Summer, summer. Um, Moving right along to what is trending? Pop culture things. What's trending now? Who bit Beyonce? <laughs> Did Hunter update her article again? No. The case is Did she finish that Sanaa? It's Sanaa. Do you Sanaa believe Lathan. that? I don't know. Sanaa said she didn't do it. Those um videos, I saw like a clip. Those videos? She was lit? She was lit. She was I mean, on another level. So she was probably on some beans or something? I don't know what sister was on, but... Because I didn't really watch. I was just like, if they say it's Sanaa, like, that just didn't sound like the presence that she Okay, so let me break it down, because when we first heard about it... Okay, so this is what I think, honestly. Because everybody is like, Tiffany had to be running her mouth, blah, blah, blah. So this is how I think about it. Which I think is funny. I think that this is all a ploy to get people to buy these concert tickets <laughs> because ju- just think about it every time Beyonce and Jay-Z or Beyonce about to go on concert they some controversy scandal. happens was the Solange thing one scandal the Solange one was a scandal before the on the run before the on the run and the elevator sold that out right yes the elevator thing then before formation what happened before formation tour did anything happen well honestly lemonade was the yeah. scandal. So Because I feel like people didn't really realize all of the stuff that Beyonce has been through. Exactly. So that was scandalous. The album was scandalous alone. Lemonade, well, you know, the whole album. So that's why people was up, you know, like, oh, I bought the body tickets. Man, shame and time. Yes. Everybody hates Jay-Z. And then now they're about to do On the Run 2, and lo and behold, here comes Tiffany with this story about someone who bit Beyonce, and now (laughs) the internets are going crazy, because we're trying to figure out who bit Beyonce, the the investigation. That's my first conspiracy theory. My second, it's not really conspiracy, it's just more a theory, or more of like a hot take of Tiffany, and... The only thing is, I love Tiff. I think it's funny that she tells these celebrity stories. Um, but the only thing is about it being Sanaa and people find out. And the whole thing that she said about Beyonce, like, oh, you know, that bitch is crazy. That bitch on drugs. Like, she's not usually like this. Honestly, the fact that she called her that. But that's the thing. I was like, that could negatively affect Sanaa's career. You know? Yeah. So it's just like you have to think about... That's why... That's why I'm did really. Did Tiffany say it wasn't Sanaa? Because I think that she did not say it so was not Sanaa. She hasn't denied or confirmed. She has not denied or confirmed. She denied that it wasn't Taraji, though. I think that. So that's the only thing that I think about. Just leave it alone. That's the only thing that I think about is the fact that, that it if it is true, it could negatively, it could negatively impact, impact Sanaa's career. And it's already right out here for black actresses. So. Exactly. So it'd just be kind of like. You know, you out here telling folks business, mm-hmm. and you know it's all fun and games till Sanaa can't 
get booked on a show or a movie anymore because mm-hmm. people think she crazy out here biting people in the face and she on drugs. You know, so it's like, <laughs> I mean, those are the things I that I think I can't believe Tiffany did this. But that's what I'm saying. I don't think it's real. I think that it's a ploy to get people to buy tickets to the On The Run tour. That's what I'm hoping. It's one of Beyonce's and Jay-Z's scandals. But that quote was really out of hand. No, it really was. And, and the only thing is, like, she knew people was going to go dig in. If it was true, even though Sanaa said, I would never bite Beyonce, but even if I did, it'd be a love bite. And Tiffany apparently said while she was doing comedy to a comedy show like a few months ago, right when this actually happened, she was saying like, it, I'm not going to tell you who it was, but it was someone who was dating French Montana last summer. And who was dating French Montana last summer? Sanaa. Damn. She dug her into a hole. Yeah, but, you know, that ain't my business, though. <laughs> I mean, I'm just kidding. You just sounded like Clearly, Tiffany. we sat here and talked about it. Huh? I said, you just sounded like Tiffany. What? That That's how she be saying stuff. <laughs> the way she be talking is hilarious. <laughs> Girls Trip was hilarious. That ain't my business, Because though. of her, honestly. Honestly. Come out. You can't, what? It's a booty hole. What? <laughs> Quotes in that movie were out of hand. When she peed on all them people. <laughs> when she got on the stage with Diddy, that's when I was done. Oh my god, no, that was funny. That's the type of essence fest we need to be having Are we gonna have that <laughs> this year, though. Why is that us, though? Why is that whole story our story, I but for that... homecoming? But now we're going to essence yeah. fest. Honestly. That's what Sid said. Sid was like, oh my god, y'all, y'all gotta watch Girl Strip because it's us. <laughs> that movie is hilarious, though. No, it is. Well, now that the Who Bit Beyonce investigation has been... It's over. Closed. What does Black Twitter move on to next? Well, a lot of things. <laughs> the Robin Givon debacle. First of all... Honestly, when NABJ released that <laughs> statement, that's when I was like, you know what? <laughs> I think I'm done with this situation. <laughs> I just feel like I don't know. From the information that I've received, read mm-hmm. about the conference was not off the record, and it wasn't like it wasn't an exclusive right thing that only you, 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 you can go. It was a lot of people yeah. there. It's, it was in her piece for the Post. She said it was like a hundred or so people, I think. Right. And I think a lot of people were saying like, oh, she came because she was supposed to, she was, the whole conference, she was a panel at one of the events at the conference. Mm-hmm. And she came to that discussion, the Michelle Obama discussion, as a guest. And so I'm pretty sure so her she editor. she was in the crowd. She was in the crowd. Okay. Yes. And Why she, would her editor? not leap on a chance to have that significant moment in not even just in the paper on the washingtonpost.com but not only I'm that sorry to interrupt but no it's okay literally. because it's real like and not only that she's covered michelle obama in the east wing before so it's not like she just hussied herself to the event to get a mm-hmm. scoop you know like she had never covered michelle obama before mm-hmm. she had done that 
before. So, I don't know. I... And I saw some critiques of the backlash and it was saying, you know, this whole backlash backlash to her posting that reeks of elitism among black women because it's like certain black women feel like they're the gatekeepers of all things black girl magic. And if you're saying that people can't share that with the very people we're supposed to be uplifting, what is that saying? And what have we what have we turned the whole black girl magic movement into if you're saying, oh, you violated black girl code by coming to an event that's, for black I women? I mean, that's a real valid perspective to have because I definitely think that there is an elitism and an affluent type of attitude amongst media and journalism folks that just don't have to be black women. It's yeah. Definitely a vibe I've gotten countless times. Yeah. And I just feel like, gosh, I lost my train of thought. Mm-hmm. Damn, damn, damn. We were talking about elitism. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just also feel like, I don't know. I mean, BET posted. BET posted a video of it. So I'm confused. It ended, I think it got taken down, though. I don't know. I don't know. I didn't even look at BET's website, honestly. I just was following Robin's tweets because I follow her. Yeah. And she's a great writer. And I feel, oh, that's what I'm saying. That's what, And I feel like if it was supposed to be something that was off the record, I can see, and I understand, like, I understand the point of view of those black female journalists or, and that's the thing. I don't want to call them journalists because nowadays we have to make distinctions between journalists and writers. Especially now, because a lot of writers work for magazines, write pieces for dot-coms. But that doesn't mean that they're journalists. No, that's Robin not. is a journalist. She has a Pulitzer Prize. Right, like, so you have not... not just a random person that right. was invited to that event. And I feel like people were low-key trying to shade her and make it seem like that. No, they were. But it's just like, honey, I'm not even trying to say, like, just because she works for the Washington Post, you need to know who she is. But she is a black journalist she's a fashion critic yeah she's a pulitzer and prize winner i also feel like you know if you put yourself in an arena of journalism you kind of have to also know the kind of protocol of journalism and that's kind of what nabj was saying in that statement was like you can't say something's off the record after the fact that's not how it works if you want something to be off the record, it has to be stated before anything else is done. That's how it works. You yeah, can't like, retrospectively call off the record. And stuff yeah, like that. no. Like, so if they wanted it to be exclusive, they should have let it known to all the attendants who came to that event that this is an off the record, intimate conversation. Mm-hmm. Now, if we want to talk about the fact that, yes, it was an intimate conversation between black women, that is a valid sentiment to have that oh, okay this wasn't supposed to be shared but that also mm-hmm. goes into the fact that robin is a journalist and she was probably sent there by her editor to cover that event like you said why would they not jump on that for their it's not like for their it's not like michelle obama's a random woman yeah and it's not like she it's not like she said that she, what she was saying in that conference wasn't supposed to be repeated right. you know so I don't, I kind of, like, I get both sides of what was being said, and that's why I say, if this was something that was happening in someone's personal home, 
Like, if this was the, a private event. Yeah, like, if it was one of Oprah's Super Soul Sunday things. Right. Where she literally invites journalists and writers and folks in the industry to her home and tells them what happens here stays, stays here. here. Exactly. And when your story comes out, that's fine. But beyond that, the only thing that can happen is whatever photos that are taken, you can probably post them on social media. Because I've seen people that have been mm-hmm. invited to some of those things, post things on Instagram. Right. And on Twitter. That's the only coverage we're seeing. Right. We don't... Beyond their post exactly, that goes up But on she makes it very clear that you're not... This is not a place for you to be writing down notes of mm-hmm. private conversations that people are having. Mm-hmm. You know, because this is in my personal home. Mm-hmm. This was in a public space. <laughs> like, this was a conference. I just, I just... This whole situation, to me, was just, like, very interesting. And I took notes, mental notes of what some of the people that I follow were saying and the shade that was being thrown. And I was just like, yeah, I'm going to recollect on that. And I'm really going to know some of those things. And I, it really had me thinking like, wow, like some of these people that we're looking up to, like, what do you really stand for? If it took this moment for you to be shady and for you to drag someone right. on, social, on media. social media, I just thought that was real tacky of a lot of people too. And it's like, Y'all could have called this up. Y'all could have emailed her and been like, hey, you know, I understand that you're a journalist. I understand that you were probably sent like, here I, to cover totally this. But agree. at the same time, like... Like, offline. Offline. Like, you could have pulled her to the side and just been like, hey, like, that, you know, you might not have known, but this was supposed to be an intimate moment. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know if you were told this. Like, and I have had to do that in situations with people, too. Like, you have a direct line to somebody, and they're doing something that you don't necessarily, you know, that goes against kind of like a shared understanding of something. Mm-hmm. Just be like, hey, you know, I just want to talk to you a little bit, you know. The piece is already out, but just wanted to let you know that this was supposed to be a private mm-hmm. event or something like that. I don't know. I just didn't. Like, it wasn't good taste. It wasn't in good taste and to attack her. And I even saw someone respond to, like, an Instagram photo that she posted of a sunset. Oh, yeah, and she was, like, short, trip yeah. cut short. and then somebody was like, of course it was because blase blase, and this person has hundreds of thousands of followers yeah. on social media. And I was just like, wow. Like, that's wild that you're really out here doing that. And I was just like, that's noted. Because people really be out here just living their best life, posting themselves, posting up with celebrities, posting themselves at all these conferences, being honored for things. And you literally tweeted something like that. And it's just like, that's just not cool. And not only did you that's tweet something good, like that. That's not a good example to be setting for the generation that's coming You're loud and you. wrong. <laughs> on top of that <laughs> because she really didn't do anything ethically wrong I don't think she did I read her piece I thought it was and a then great it was an piece. uplifting piece it's not like she was talking about people in the conference she barely even quoted Michelle in the piece anyways so I was just like she was just you know after I, this is why I like I saw what people were saying and then I was just like you know what let me just read what she even wrote because y'all are tripping <laughs> I was like I don't even want to read any more opinions I want to see what she had to say about the event and it was literally it wasn't a even, standard it wasn't even long it a wasn't standard long. event coverage it may have been 500 words 750 words it wasn't even long I was just like so y'all really did all that for, for a 500 this. word event coverage piece 
Like it's not even like it was super long. I was it wasn't like, like it was an op-ed. You mm-hmm. know, it wasn't. So I don't know. I don't know. It was too much. I just thought it was in poor taste. Just like this whole Howard scammer Tyrone. Everything that he's done Honestly, is in poor taste. Like these photos that people are getting from his Instagram. First of all, people have been. First of all, I don't understand how you're going to embezzle all that money and then flaunt it on social media. I'm honestly weak at the fact that that Medium post had screenshots of he's has said to ABC like in whatever little statement that those were real screenshots. All that money was real. So, oh, you talking about the emails? Yeah. Oh yeah. All that, and then the little screenshots of the amounts that were going into his student account were real too, because that's what oh. his lawyer said that they're kind of. I think they're going to be trying to figure out why those were leaked because they were real. Oh so yeah. He, he said did. it was an invasion of privacy that those student records were like put up uh, on media publicly. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess, but sir, you out here stealing money. And posting Gucci bags. And, and posting Gucci bags mink and coats. minks and Range Rovers and you jumping jet setting air. all over the world. You done hired a, a media crew right. basically to follow you around. <laughs> You've hired a photographer and a videographer. You've been featured in all of these blogs because you have all these clothes. He was because you've been stealing money. They weren't even cute to me. So they were, and that's the thing. That's did y'all read? Did you read like the hat thing? He was like, everyone needs a good accessory. No, I didn't read it. <laughs> and he was like, I call myself edgy preppy. <laughs> well, actually, you look a mess. So we need you to revisit these coins that you're taking. With money and that you it how you're spending these coins because he was his outfits were not giving me anything. Girl, that's a whole mess. But I think these are conversations that need to come to light because as much as I love my HBCU <laughs> community, I will say that there are a lot of issues that we need to deal with as a people. Yes. And this is bringing to light a lot of those issues that a lot of these institutions would mm-hmm. like to stay on the hush-hush. Mm-hmm. But it's like, y'all out here stealing money, and it's not cool. Stealing how much? Almost 400000 it was like $479,000. And honey, you came out here and said that that was normal. And you out here telling people... Your lawyer people, said that that was a normal amount. Who needs that much money to go to Howard? I mean, Howard's expensive. Yeah, I know it's expensive. I'm not saying that. You don't need that much money to go to school but at the, all. This is what took me out was the fact that a, I saw a screenshot from someone that said that they knew him personally and they were really upset at this situation because they were like that some of their like one of their roommates couldn't afford to continue going to Howard. Right. Because the scholarship funds stopped. So and then I saw a bunch of people tweeting saying like he about to get in these hands because I had to leave Howard or I no, or I couldn't finish these, taking my yes. classes because he's out here taking these coins. Taking these money. And the amount of people that that $400,000 could have helped, that's what upset me and about it'd be the like, situation. Yes, and it's like, some people need like $2,000 or like $6,000 mm-hmm. just, you know, to stay in school and pay for their classes for the year. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, you out here stealing $479,000 and students that need like $2,000 here or $6,000 here so that they can stay in school. I saw pictures of people outside homeless got their stuff out because they couldn't afford to live in the dorms anymore. Like it was just like it's ridiculous and you out here living lavish. Going to Cuba. 
going on. I know that picture was taken in Cuba. It looked like Yes, Cuba. he was in Cuba. Where else? He went that to That caption, another semester down, another bag secure, <laughs> took me out with that Gucci bag and that coat. <laughs> Honestly, I was done after I saw that picture. Because I was just like, he's sick. No, he's definitely about to get it. Because the receipts are there. There's no way for him to, like, deny this. And he really thought he was about to graduate and get... Yeah, that statement said he was about to finish. Yeah, he was, yeah he was about... And this see, was his last I semester, I think. I tweets say he was in class. Yes, I saw that. It was like, he came to class today. And he was calm. I'm pretty sure he's panicked on the inside. Mm-hmm. He's probably... Or he might be still in the delusional phase. Like, oh, this will all pass. Like, I'll be able to get out of this. Sir. You should have just been quiet. You out here posting all these pictures. That's what you get. Show pony. That's what you get. Jumping in the air <laughs> with all this money. It's a mess. But all I can do is shake my head. You know, we'll see how the story unfolds. I mean, that statement released by his quote unquote lawyer, I was just like, all right. Not all right. I guess you out here trying to say you got a lawyer even though it's probably you just talking. <laughs> yeah. First like, of all, it wasn't even a professional that wasn't, statement. I was about to say, talking he about wrote keep that. us in your prayers. Like, what? Who he says all that. of that? No, Who's, he wrote No it. lawyer releases a statement like that. He wrote and it. these statements are not even supposed to be that long. So why was it like mad long? Why was it like a thousand words? They're not supposed to be that Talking long. about, unfortunately, I can't speak further exactly. on the like, issue. That was definitely him. He is a scammer. Somebody was saying, who's a better scammer, him or the boy that was pretending to be a doctor? Somebody said this man... <laughs> He was like, obviously, the man who pretended to be a doctor had a whole practice at the age of I don't 17. know how he did all of that. I don't... He doesn't even look like a grown man. So, you come to that doctor's office, and you see him as the doctor, and you standing there, getting work done to your body. Are you kidding me? <laughs> oh, my He literally God. had the little boozy fade. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> if I would have walked in and seen that fade, I would have walked out. Like, No. <laughs> Oh that is God. a mess. That oh. is a mess. God need to fix this because I cannot. <laughs> I'm done. He would definitely be getting the, these hands. Both of them. The doctor and the scammer. Oh and he had God. the nerve to go to class. I wouldn't be in class. So, Rob, this throwback Twitter. Yes. I tweeted something that I think was great. <laughs> Any man can give you things. Not every man can be an asset in you getting your own. And Preach. that was by Aura Jones. Preach and on it. Yeah, I just, I think that that's a great note to end on because that's very real. Um, I feel like a lot of people hear stories about women helping their men reach the pinnacle of their Did career not and success. just see Brian Coolers? Okay, can we talk about that for a minute? Because that made me kind of think about it. It did. And you know what? I think that story is really cute. I love Ryan Coogler. She helped him. She helped him. But listen, this is she the thing. She stood by her man. She did. She got a good one. Um. Well, you know what? We say that looking on the outside. We don't know what Ryan's like at home. But okay. based on like the his films and the way he, he writes himself. women and the way he expresses himself Mm -hmm. um you can tell that he's a very thoughtful person Mm -hmm. 
with uh, a lot of empathy. Um, and I think that's something that, okay, so I bring this up, and I'm sorry, this really riled me up. <laughs> because I feel like a lot of men, a lot of ancient men, have been using that story as ammunition against women. But like, yeah, girl, you need to be out here because no, doing all this. Because look at this situation. Right. Because I saw somebody that I used to, you know. <laughs> and let me tell you, I was his biggest cheerleader. I was there for him. <laughs> In ways that I have never been there for anyone else. Screaming. <laughs> he retweeted it or reposted no, it? No, he put it. He posted on Instagram, right? Yikes. You still follow him? Yeah, because we didn't end on a bad note. Y'all still cool? Yeah, like, and we weren't even really, like, it was one of those situationship type things. Like, it wasn't even, like, whatever. But I'm saying all this to say, um, he put that up there. And I, like, laughed out loud in the comments. <laughs> You're petty. <laughs> Only because I was just, like, a lot of men are using this as, like, mm-hmm. ammunition to be, like, you know. And his caption was, there are still women out there for, you right. know, like this, I'm, brothers. I'm hanging it up. <laughs> and I was just, like, laughing because I was just, like, honestly, first of all, 99% of y'all aren't Ryan Coogler. And I'm not saying Ryan Coogler is the director. <laughs> the director of <laughs> Black Panther and all these amazing movies. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying Ryan Coogler as a person, like, you could tell he's very empathetic. You can tell that, you know, he really highly regards women in his life. He's got it together. He's got it together and he had a vision. And I feel and like... what do y'all have? They're bringing nothing to the table. Exactly, and that's what I'm saying. But themselves. But themselves. Hi. I'm here. You need to support me. Bring the whole table. Bring the whole meal. Bring everything you've got. Bring everything you've got to the table. And it's just like, why aren't y'all talking about the fact that, first of all, Ryan Cooler said that was his girlfriend at the time who bought him (laughs) Final Draft. Not only that, he married this woman. But what y'all be doing out here? Y'all be out here having situationships and, you know, having girls come up, oh, you can cook for me. What What are you doing? <laughs> but you want to sit here and compare yourself to Ryan Cooler? <laughs> that's why and I was laughing. That's why that is the closing conversation. No, because, because we want you men to, to realize on that thought. And not only that, yes, ponder on the fact that why is it that y'all are always... Hyping up relationships where the woman helped the man reach his success. But where are the stories of men helping women reach the pinnacles in their career? Non-existent. Are y'all willing to reciprocate that? No. Let's talk about it. Some of them are, not all. You're right. But seriously, we that, that's all I wanted to say. Because that, <laughs> that quote really hit me. It's real. In a very tender it's spot. It's real. But okay, that's all for today.